Welcome to the Raiders Training Camp Podcast, presented by SiriusXM. Live from the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center, here are your hosts, Jesse Merrick and Eddie Pascal. And we are back for episode three of the Raiders Training Camp Podcast, presented by SiriusXM. Eddie Pascal and Jesse Merrick. And Jesse, uh, not a boring stretch. For the old Las Vegas Raider these past couple days, huh? No, not at all. The pads finally came on today, too. So you've got some like real football to actually talk about. They went inside, obviously, you know, some good stuff to talk about on this one. But definitely, you know, some intriguing stuff happening on sure, Monday. Sure, 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 sure. That I think had us all like, whoa, what? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So we will talk about pads and everything that's gone in the past 48 hours for good reason because it's been, you know, this is the next kind of uh, thing circled on the calendar, right? This is what Brandon Bolden said. It's Christmas, right, when yeah. the pads go on. But if we go all the way back to Monday, which now feels like a lifetime ago, we get the news that Denzel Good, guard slash tackle Denzel Good, uh, officially goes on the reserve, excuse me, reserve retired list, calling it a career. And... Surprise, I think, is the first first emotion that came to mind, at least for me. Like, how did you kind of take yeah. hearing that news and seeing that release come through? Definitely surprise. One of those things where, you know, I think you and I were talking about when the Devontae trade, you know, where were you? What was your reaction? It was words that I can't repeat. You know? yeah. And at first I was like, this can't be real. Like, this, you know, I, so I was like, had to double check. And then I saw that it was, and I'm like, wow, okay. Like, that's a, for me, it's a big loss for the Raiders. You know, that's a guy that I think many of us all thought, hey, starter, you know, at, at guard more than likely. Um, so now you're going to be relying a lot more on some younger guys on that right side of the line. And to me, it says, hey, Dylan Parham, step right up, man. This is your opportunity. Yeah, and before we, di- we talk into, you know, dive into what this means for the right side of that offensive line, and really the, the offensive line in general, uh, yesterday, so yesterday being Tuesday, Denzel Good takes to Twitter uh, and released this little statement. Thank you thank you for all you guys' support. It means a lot to see the love from y'all. This is one of the most difficult decisions in my life to make, and I make it wholeheartedly. I need this time to focus on things football. Unfortunately, excuse me, I need this time to focus on things, not football, unfortunately, won't allow me to do. I still love this game, and I feel like I just have plenty left in me, but I just have to shift my time and focus to my family for the time being. Thank you to the Raiders organization, my brothers, and the coaching staff for the support and the understanding. So clearly a decision that he did not make lightly. It does not seem like a decision that was made on kind of an impulse. Like, this is something that Denzel sat down, he thought about, and figured out what makes the most sense for me and my family. And and I know that on a football side, like, certainly a loss to the silver and black, but credit to him for kind of understanding, hey, there's at times there's things that are more important than playing ball. Yeah, look, I mean, there's so many people that, that would put their life on the back burner, you know, to continue. And I think it's a good good on him to take care of the things that matter most, you know, with family, things like that, whatever it is that he's got going on. Uh, you know, too many people, again, will, will put that to the side. And, and you know, we, we all talk about it, whether it's a mental health thing or just purely getting family involved, like, you know, getting back, back together. Like, you need to take care of those things. You know, there are things that are bigger than football. Um, you know, and Colton Miller even talked about it. You know, maybe he hopes this is maybe just a kind of a setback, and it's something that at some point he can come back later on down the road when all of those things are taken care of. Yeah, I mean, you never know. Like we talk about the time, you never know what someone's got going on yeah. off the field, uh, good, bad, and, and somewhere in between, obviously. But, yeah, I mean, Denzel, a huge loss, and shifting to what this means to the Raiders' offensive line now, we got we had we came into this uh, the start of training camp with questions. I think fair to say now uh, a few more questions. Yeah, I'd imagine so. You know, for the coaching staff, probably got to be like, okay, you know, now we start looking at the guys we've gotten here, you know, one guy in particular we've heard and seen a lot from, Lester Cotton. You know, he's a guy, he's kind of in the talk of a lot of the 100%. old linemen and, and many people in general getting a lot of opportunities. 
you got to imagine that gets ramped up a bit now. Yeah, and, and I think what makes this whole thing even more interesting, and it's the benefit, it's a benefit to Dave Ziegler and Josh and how they built this team, but we use we hear the term, we've joked about it, versatility. Yeah. But now you look at all the versatility that these guys on the line have, especially on that right side, you can really, if you're Josh McDaniels, you can really start kind of moving and shifting pieces around to seeing what sticks. Yeah, you, you really can start to see that. You know, one guy that in particular, when you talk about the versatility since he's come here, Dylan Parham, you yep. know, their pick this year. He's been playing both center and guard, getting a lot of reps with that. Obviously, you know, as we noted many times, a developmental position. They're trying to do anything and everything they can to get him ready. I think in a perfect world, they probably thought, hey, we don't want to play this kid this year, not because he's not good, just simply to, you know, give him that time. But now maybe that that schedule gets bumped up a bit given the news, you know, from Monday. Um, you know, but no doubt the competition really ramps up now uh, between, you know, him and uh, Lester Cotton, as I noted. Also, we're watching the right tackle spot with Leatherwood and Parker. You know, so as you said, I mean, there's there's questions. And now I think even more fair to say even more questions about what that right side of the line is really going to look like. You know, and speaking of Brandon Parker and Brandon Parker, a guy that has worn silver and black for a long time and has, you know, has played serviceable snaps at right tackle. But you look at the combination of him and Alex Leatherwood and right. We're not going to sit here and say that's going to be the right side come week one when we take on the Los Angeles Chargers. But the fact that Brandon does have that experience, the fact that Leatherwood has that experience on the inside and playing tackle if need be. You, it is just such a blessing that the versatility those guys have all of a sudden makes things, you know, kind of clouded in a way, but almost like a good cloudy, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, 100%. I mean, because, look, it, much better to have guys that, you know, have had experience at multiple spots than all of a sudden it's like, oh, dang, you know, we're trying to fit that, uh, you know, square into a circle hole or, you know, whatever the heck it is. The saying, I just totally bought Yeah, I think it's good. We get it. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah, we you guys get know it. what I mean. But, you know, having a guy that's able to slide around in multiple guys, just specifically on the right side of that line, is huge. Uh, you know, to be able to do that because, again, just like we, we, I think we were talking, you know, with the receivers and things like that, Devontae noted, you know, guys are are learning concepts. The same thing along the offensive line. They're learning concepts, not just a particular role of like, no, I'm only a right guard or I'm only a right tackle or I'm only a center. Knowing those concepts is huge because then, God forbid, things start to happen or a guy unexpectedly retires and boom, you're ready to go. We can throw you in there. There's not as steep of a learning curve. Yeah, and before we actually talk about Pats, because we, will, do, we yeah. will get there, I promise everyone, <laughs> we will get there. We appreciate your patience. But I think in just talking about the offensive line and hearing, we heard from Colton Miller and we heard from Brandon Parker, what's today, Wednesday, we heard from him yesterday. And I think the biggest kind of takeaway, at least for me when I heard both those guys talk, is a self-awareness and an acknowledgement. Like Brandon Parker straight up said, he's like, look, I know that the fans and the media feel some type of way about how the offensive line played last year and the expectations for the group going forward. He goes, look, I'm, I'm not immune to that. Like, yeah. I see that. I hear that. Now, I think he's made a concerted effort to kind of remove himself from it. But I thought the fact that both him and Colton brought that up, that they kind of hear the noise surrounding this group. I mean, if you're a fan of the Silver and Black, like, you got to love hearing that, especially this early in camp. I'd imagine so because it creates that chip on your yep. shoulder, you know. And look— I think a lot of people don't realize or give players credit for for what they hear and know. I mean, they see a lot of things, especially especially on the Raiders. I've noted, you know, a lot of guys, you know, the things that us in the media are saying, you know, they they fall along, they they get it. I don't think it's something that necessarily affects them, but I think a lot of times with football players, you'll see, you know, they're ignore they'll ignore a lot of the good, but the bad really sticks out, and they'll use that as a motivator, as that kind of chip on their shoulder, because guys are always looking for that. I heard Vinny telling a story more this morning on the radio was talking about J.J. Watt. You know, right after uh, he had just gone all pro or something like that, you know, saying, or no, it was right after he just got defensive player of the year, saying, you know, where's that chip come from? And he's like, I don't know. I don't have one right now, but you better believe I'll find one. I think that's another scenario like this where 
they know what the uh, you know the the kind of narrative is out there about them, and that a lot of people are saying you know this team is only going to go as far as the offensive line does. Well, hey, we'll show you that we're better than a lot of people are giving us credit for. Yeah, and I think just to to kind of put a, a bow on that is like. You know, the Raiders are not unique in only going as far as their offensive line is going to yeah. do, right? Like the Joe Burrow situation where you have objectively a pretty porous offensive line yeah. and you go to the Super Bowl, that's not the rule, right? That's the exception to the rule. So th- this kind of narrative of, oh, well, if the offensive line can hold up, the offense will be good. Yeah, clearly, if the <laughs> offensive true. line holds up, typically good things happen. Yeah, no, it is. I mean, it, and it's it's one of those kind of like, like duh. Yeah, know, exactly. Things. And that's, uh, you know, but specifically, I think with an offense like this, it's, it's, uh, it adds even more to the mix there with that because of how many weapons this team has, you know. Um, but also at the end of the day, too, like these guys hear the narrative, there's millions of dollars on the line for these guys. Do you think they don't put more pressure on themselves than any one of us could or any fan could? Yeah, motivation, not an issue for Yeah, any. I mean, candidly, I don't think motivation is ever an issue for any professional athlete, but exactly. in particular when, it talks, when you were talking about the Raiders' offensive line. But, Jesse, pads. Yes. We are here. We have made it. The Raiders strapped on the pads for the very first time this morning at the Intermountain, excuse me, Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center, and it felt good to hear the thud of pads. I talked to Keelan Cole earlier today, and he was telling me, he goes, you know what, man? He goes, I, you know, you love having pads because you, know, you feel like you're getting closer to playing real football, and he goes, but that first hit is one that you're like, okay, I'm awake now. Let's go off to camp for real, and it felt good to kind of feel that energy this afternoon or this morning, I should say. Yeah, you have those jitters, you know. I've been in the situation before where you're like, "Oh man, like I haven't gotten the first hit out of the way." You know, again, you hear that click clack. Colton Miller even you know noted it. You get strapped up, you're ready to roll, and then there's those nerves. Boom, first hit, those are gone, and then you're all of a sudden like, "All right, let's play some football." The physicality really comes out, and at the end of the day, like this is what these guys live for. You know, they talked about it. It's Christmas. You know, the first preseason game, I believe Brandon Bolden said that's New Year's. You yep. know, it's it's a celebration for them they get this opportunity to really just get it going and play the physical aspect of it and honestly see the fruits of their labor on the offseason you know these are guys that are training to get bigger faster and stronger well now they get to see what all that work translates to onto the field and you and I were joking uh when we were on the field like I felt like the the kind of you know the catchers that get up stand up stay up stay up stay up because look at the end of the day look football is a physical game right you need to have the pass to kind of ratchet up to the next level but you don't want anyone getting hurt the coaches i think to their credit do a fantastic job of making sure they're getting their work in but they're doing it as as safely and you know kind of uh, player consciously as they can yeah i think get up get up get up it's gonna be like the the saying of the word for the next like five days oh 100 (laughs) yeah but i think it's it's inevitable these guys again are competitors things are gonna get a little chippy guarantee you there's gonna be some scuffles you know that's just the way it is these are highly competitive men out here playing a, a game that you know they love you know and it's got again millions of dollars on the line uh so i think we're gonna see some good physicality out of them but they're towing that line between also making sure you know that they're not you know reckless with it you know mcdaniel's talked about they're probably not going to have any true live all the way to the ground sessions which i think is smart these are pros they know how to tackle they know how to do those things you know in terms of that physicality and obviously today kind of being that next uh you know uh, check mark on, on the road or whatever, however you want to call it. What were your kind of big takeaways from day one of pass for the Silver and Black? And I mean, some guys in particular that really stood out to me. One, and you and I have always talked about this, you know, since we started this pod here, is the guys looked like the guys, yep. you know, those are the big name players, you know, and that's what you want to see out of them. But some guys uh, just going through my notes that flashed, Chris Jones, corner, you know, not, not necessarily a physical aspect here in this one, but he did a great job cutting off Keelan Cole for interception and one-on-ones. So you get to see that a little bit there. Darian Butler, a guy that shined a lot uh, in team, had the biggest hit of the day on Britton Brown, uh, you know, to really get things going there. The whole team, you know, went nuts on that one. Uh, And then they did some goal line blocking drills. That, to me, was exciting. At first, as they were getting set up, 
I was walking up, but I, I didn't quite see, you know, how everyone was aligned. And I was like, oh my gosh, are we going to get Oklahoma drilled? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, this isn't allowed, is it? <laughs> In the year of our Lord, 2022, probably not. Yeah, I was like, I, I didn't think you could do this. And then I got up there. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. This, we, we got some, some goal line blocking drills, which were great. They involved the receivers, the corners. And then on the other side, they had the O-line against the D-line with a running back or a receiver out there catching something in the flat. And then you have to try and block them, and, and or if you're a defender, try and shed the block. Well, John Simpson had a really great rep. And again, when I say these guys are standing out, it's one rep here or there. I mean, they're not doing a ton of time. That guys aren't getting like you know three, four, five different reps. So this is the what stood out to me on their single or double reps that maybe they would get out there. John Simpson, Lester Cotton on the offensive side. Chandler Jones saw him throw somebody aside to get in there to throw uh, in a tackle. And Jonathan Abram did a great job against uh, Mac Hollins as well. Mac stood him up, but Jonathan was able to kind of get go, uh, keep the feet running, throw him aside, and go ahead and make the tackle. So those are four guys that stood out to me in those goal line blocking. You know, just just for me, in terms of overall entertainment, the one-on-one battle between Darren Waller and Trayvon Berry that we saw all morning, I mean, them going one-on-one, I mean, that was that was a lot of fun to watch, mm-hmm. right? And I think we kind of see the progression of Trayvon in year two, where Trayvon got Darren a few times, but yeah. let's not get it twisted, where Darren got him as well. So I think, you know, the cliche of iron sharpening iron, like, it was really fun and entertaining to watch those guys go head-to-head all morning. It was, and that's one that, like, if, I think today it was more so, you know, exemplified than any other. I, I don't know why. You and I were standing next to each other, and we, did, we were talking about that. And so that's one that, to me, it was like that switch clicked and I was like oh man I gotta pay more attention to this battle between these two uh and for Trayvon what better opportunity than to go against a guy like Darren Waller every day as you improve your coverage in the NFL I mean it's only going to get easier after going up against a guy like him you know again there's the games against Kelsey who's a dog you know and uh Kittle as well they'll be playing so that's great opportunities for him to get those reps against a guy like that and I think for me, just the biggest thing was seeing Trayvon just go stride for stride, yeah. toe-to-toe, muscle-to-muscle with Darren Waller, mm-hmm. too. I mean, you and I have talked about it a million times, where if you're talking about pure athletes, like pure, oh, my God, this guy's bigger, faster, stronger than you, I mean, Darren Waller is the top of that list. Yeah. And for Trayvon, going into year two, and let's not get it twisted, a very young guy, a guy still very much on the ascent, and he's going stride for stride with number 83, like... That is what you want to see in late July here at camp. Yeah, very impressive. I mean, today, and it's not something that I haven't noticed before, but today I had another one of those like aha moments watching Darren Waller run routes, and it's like you see those receiver skills. He was a former receiver. You see it. I mean, visibly, you're like, man, you watch him compared to any of the other tight ends on this roster, and he's just different the way that he runs those routes. So for a guy like Trayvon to be able to keep up with him, you noted the size difference as well. Man, I mean, that's the part where it's like, dude, you are able to go and you're you're high pointing, you're timing your jump well. You know, it's not easy to cover a guy that you know has you by that kind of inches. You know, so I've been very impressed with what we've seen from him thus far. Year two, as you noted, trying to make a big jump in here. Again, no better proving ground than against a guy like Waller. Yeah, and and it's not. I think the great thing for Trayvon too is that this is not just going to be a, a one period thing, a one practice thing. I mean. This team is going to be in training camp for a few more weeks and every day because we both know that when you shift to, to regular season mode, the re, you know the pr- a practice changes pretty dramatically from training camp to the regular season. So for Trayvon to get the opportunity for the next call it 21, 24 days to be going toe to toe with Darren and learning from Darren and trying to figure out how am I going to be the best version of myself in 2022 incredible opportunity for him yeah and on top of that too this is where they bounce ideas off of each other you know hey you just beat me on this route what did you do you know Mm -hmm. they can really start to dive into it and dissect the details of all these different things that will pay dividends come season time and we were talking about how easy and how kind of different darren waller is right in kind of terms of just seeing him run like the dude runs like i mean 
it's just a pretty run, I guess, for it lack is. of a better term. I mean, he just looks like he was born to run. He was born to play tight end in the yeah. NFL. Another guy who looks like he was born to catch the football, stop me if you've heard this one before, Devontae Adams. I mean, you and I <laughs> noted several times over the past couple of days that everything that he does just looks easy in the best possible way. And I think that we, you were talking before we started rolling, I think you put it perfectly where if you didn't know that he was Devontae Adams, there's part of you that think like, oh, is he just like some random dude who doesn't really care and isn't really trying? Yeah. But like everything that he does is just seamless. Which is, it's wild to even say that or, mm-hmm. you know, because like it does, it just looks so lackadaisical, not in a bad way. Yeah. Just where he looks like he's just kind of, you know, not even in like third, fourth, fifth gear. He's just oh, kind of cruising, cruising along and makes everything look so smooth, so easy. I asked Demarcus Robinson about some of the things that he's maybe gathered from Devante with working with him so far. He noted his release. He's famous for that, but also his late hands. And he just, poof, just throws them out there. I mean, obviously, I know the people listening can't see me doing that, but, I mean, it's just literally a casual, poof, flips the hands out there, catches it like it's nothing, you know. And these some of them are tough balls to catch, and he just makes it look way too easy. And there's that that one ball that he caught on the far field today where yeah. you and I were both standing there, and, he, and he's coming down the sideline, and he's in, I forget who the DB, the DB was, but really tight coverage, objectively good thumbs up coverage and you see him running doing his thing and all of a sudden right on the sideline to your point and I'll use the Jesse Mary sound effect just boop yeah. the hands come out mm-hmm. last second boom right in the bread basket and, and we're off and it's just you see I, I know that we made such a big deal and I think candidly some of our, our media pals made too much of a big deal about the relationship between Derek and Devante and oh they're gonna you know start right you know pick up right where they left off a decade ago yeah but I think it is pretty obvious that these are two dudes and talking about Derek in DC and Devante who know each other, who know each other's tendencies, who know what to do to make the other person look good. And I think that as we, you know, as we sit here on the first day of pack, so let's not, you know, put <laughs> yeah, these two out of the water. Overreact. I mean, these are these are two dudes that look very much in sync and ready to rock. They do. Just the ball placement, you know, where Carr is able to put it on them when they're running, you know, and it, it's just that little flick of the wrist and he knows exactly. It's A lot of it, too, is like being able to gauge the speed and the way that guys run their routes, and that helps as a quarterback with your placement of the ball. And it's very clear that there is an understanding of familiarity there that you don't really always have, you know, with some of these guys. We've seen with some of the other players, not necessarily always with Derek out there, but with other the, the other quarterbacks, the placement's not necessarily there, or, or there's just something a little off. That's not the case with him and Devontae, and it's it's exciting to watch and see that, you know, continue to develop. But man, I, I as a former receiver, like I nerd out big time watching Devontae do these things because it's just fun. And with the late hands thing, you know. As a DB, a lot of times you're sitting there looking. That's your cue of if you're in man coverage, that's your cue of, all right, here, I'm going to try and bat this ball out of here. Doing it that late, I mean, that is massive. And also, I mean, you're watching the eyes of him. But, man, if he's – I'd imagine if his eyes match his hands, <laughs> good luck trying to get a read on him of when you got to throw your hand in there to try and break this thing up. I mean, it's also a great flex, too. Yeah. Just to, like, it's just such an awesome, like, I know I got you. I got the ball. I don't need to throw him. I'm that good Yeah. where I just know exactly that millisecond. I have the timing down so precisely that I know exactly when to throw my hands out there. But it's – you know, to use Derek's term that, that he likes to run around a lot – it feels like there's just a lot of time on task, right, between mm-hmm. DC and Devontae. And and I know that it hasn't been time on task in a in a, an official NFL practice setting, you know, but it, you know, they haven't done it in a football setting really since college, but like the fact that these guys throw together, the fact that there's a relationship there, yeah. I mean, it is becoming abundantly clear that these are dudes who know each other. It is. And it's almost like it stands out, but it doesn't at the same it's a great time. Way to you know say what it. I mean? Yep. Like 100%. As, as you're watching practice, it's not like, "Wow, look at these two. It's just kind of like, "Hey, they're just doing it." 
where there's other things that we watch and we're like, whoa, would you look at that catch or that throw? Like, it, it, Maybe it doesn't stand out because it looks so easy, which is great. If you're a fan of this team, you have to love to hear that. Yeah, I mean, it's just, I think we talk about it, it's that level of comfort, right? It's yeah. that level of we've been here, we've done it, we mm-hmm. know what it looks like, we know how it's supposed to sound. Like it, It's just going down that checklist and all of a sudden you're like, yep, two, three, four, yep, there we go, we know what we're doing. So. Yeah. And I mean, think about it too, like, you know, whatever it is that you do in in any career, if you just have that comfortability with your coworkers, Mm -hmm. you know, there's not that like shifting through, oh, how do we do this or that? You know, I mean, that's for them has to be so much easier picking up this offense, already knowing, hey, we've got that connection. 100%. And we've given a lot of love to Devontae and Derek, as we should, and really the offense in general. But I think for me, if you say, Eddie, what's your biggest takeaway from the past two practices since we since we last did this show? The DBs, the Raiders DBs, I think have had it back-to-back, really, really impressive days out there on the practice field. Yesterday, they were inside for Mm -hmm. the first time. Today, back out in the beautiful Las Vegas heat. But, dude, I mean, you talk about a group that I think has, and I mean this nicely, has been surprisingly good in the early goings. It's the Raiders defensive backs. It is. And, look, much like the offensive line, a lot of people have had some things to say about the, the DBs, specifically the corners. But I've been very impressed with what I've seen from that group thus far. Yesterday, a handful of guys coming down with interceptions here and there, pass breakups. Uh, I, one of the fans uh, one of the, on Twitter, I, I tweeted out a video of the uh, safeties working through pass breakup drills. And they said that's something that they haven't ever seen a video of you know, from practice before. Not that it hasn't necessarily been preached, but they hadn't seen it. And, th- and it made me think, I'm like, I don't know if I've necessarily seen like that exact drill. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And, and so that's one of those things where, okay, it's very clear that it's being preached and it's being you know put into work in team drills because they're coming away with a lot of these pass breakups and stuff. And it's not always off of bad throws, you know? So it's been really impressive to see them, you know, get that going. And one thing I'm going to be watching moving forward is Rocky scene. I mean, and his name's Rocky scene. The dude is rocked up. Yeah, for sure. Now that they got the pads on, that physicality factor is going to go up for him. I'm going to be watching that element of his game and how much we do see him right on the receiver's hip and getting in there batting balls down. Yeah, I mean, friend of the program, Anthony Averett, as well. I think yeah. we can include in that conversation. 100%. A guy to see, uh, you know, we're excited to kind of see what he's going to do once, once the pads come on. But really for me, and look, we t- we've talked about this before. We're defensive back. The position in the NFL is a position of failure. Yeah. Right? Like, the nature of the beast is you're going to get God. And look, the Raiders DBs have gotten God a couple times. That's not, you know, an indictment on anyone. But I've been really impressed by just the level of coverage. And look, I, I know that we're not going 100% yet. Yeah. I know that we're still kind of ramping up into this. But I've been really pleasantly surprised by just the overall quality that that entire group, top to bottom, has brought on these first couple of days of camp. 100%. And, it, and it's so cliche to say and whatever. But, you know, you can really tell that they are dialing in on all those details. You know, hand placement, eyes, all those different things. And again, much like with Merrick, like what better group to have in front of you as a receiving core than a one that's got Hunter Renfro and Devontae Adams. Mm-hmm. I mean, man, the work that these guys are getting when they go good on good is incredible, you know? And so that's where I think as we continue through camp and also when the Patriots eventually get here and they do joint practices, that's going to be something that's going to be exciting to watch that group and how they continue to work. And I think you brought up a great observation. We were watching uh, practice on the field earlier. Yep. Of the session where the Raiders and the DBs were going one-on-one, no ball, but really it looked like the Raiders, excuse me, the Raiders, the rival receivers were just kind of working on routes and, and the DBs are kind of working on the timing. And I thought that was an interesting kind of way for them to spend part of that practice period. Yeah. I mean, in, in all my years watching, covering football, playing, whatever it is, I've, I've never seen a team go through one-on-ones in that sense without a quarterback throwing them the ball. And, it, and, it, and when you really break it down, you're like, well, hey, that's a great drill for them because, you know, for the DBs, hand placement, position. For the receivers, you continue to work on that separation of your route running. And so it was unique and, and interesting to see because, again, 
don't worry about the ball. I just want you to worry about the man in front of you. I think that also is a good, uh, you know, display of the fact that this team is probably going to play a hand chunk of man. You know, we're going to see a lot of man coverage out of them, and that kind of work is great. 100%. And I think we've talked about the offense, we've talked about the defense, uh, and a smile came to my my heart today, Jesse, because not only did the specialists go to the podium, which is always a fantastic <laughs> day, but we did get to see some real kind of live special teams work, right? The, the hurry up, get out there, field goal period, uh, which was great, good to see. My man Carlson, perfect on his field goals today. But it, we are kind of now, as we are, gosh, what are we, eight days, nine days into this? I think so, we're, we're, yeah. We, we're north of a week, right? I think. Uh, se- oh, no, seven, because we, we, they reported last Wednesday. That's right. Oh, yeah. Man, what are yeah. What are the days? Are we've the already days? we've officially gotten to the point where we don't know what day it is. But you kind of feel everything rounding into form in terms of this team really diving in headfirst into camp. And any day I get to see my my guys that they're doing their thing is a good day. Yeah. Oh, yeah. you were having fun watching that Loving one it. for sure. But again, good work. Uh, you know, not uh, a little bit of wind involved. A little bit today. Yeah. A little bit today. A little bit more humidity than anything yeah, else. Oh, so boy. you know, Carlson was kicking through like chunks of air. <laughs> you know, uh, not like it's the south or anything. But man, I mean, it, it was pretty humid out there. So I mean, for him, just continuing to get that good work. You know, he noted the fact of you know Vegas. A lot of people don't realize a very windy place. I did, I had no idea yeah. about that before I got here. And so for him, when they're outside working through stuff, he gets a lot of work, you know, in elements like that, you know, because it, it, again, I've I, I been here three and a half years, and I, I, every every year I'm always like, man, it's really windy here, you know, so for him, that's good quality work that you don't necessarily get when they go inside. And, and let's remember, too, that Daniel kicks inside at Illusion yeah. Stadium, so yeah. the days of getting that real good win. Like when we were in Oakland, right? I mean, I know that the, the kickers and the punters would go over to the Coliseum a day, two days early, just to kind of test the, the wind conditions, right? Just to get a feel of what things look like and feel like down there on the grass. Mm-hmm. Don't have to worry about that no. here in this beautiful palace. But all the same, you're not going to play 17 games indoors. You are going to play games in November, December, and January where weather is an issue. And you, it's, if you, it's kind of funny to think that you can't really replicate that wind Right. And yeah. so the fact that he's going to get some time in the wind, right, to kind of figure out his process and to figure out the, the me- uh, mechanics, a, a net positive for this group. Yeah, it seems like a minute detail, but in the kicking game, when you have a guy like that who is working on the smallest details, because he's obviously at the top of his game, massive, massive thing for him to be able to do. And you're, you're going to be very grateful when it's December and you're in Kansas City and yeah. the winds are swirling at 25, 30 miles an hour. And you're not looking around like, okay, what are we going to do? How are we going to attack this? Like, okay, yeah. I know, you know, I came out here, did my pregame. I know the process. We've done this in camp. Like, it, that, all that stuff helps. It's not sexy. It's not glamorous. But it all matters, right? It does. It does. It, it, good practice for all those guys. Another thing we got to see, too, was A.J. Cole stepping to the podium. Oh, yes. Always, always a great Pure time when A.J. steps up to the plate. And so I was up here today because uh, we had a bunch of things going on in the control room. Big shout out to Peyton and the rest of the crew for making sure that we are uh, we are here and we are operational. But I was up here during the press conferences, and you were telling me that uh, Mr. Cole, in fine midseason form <laughs> in terms of media stuff, he had a couple interesting questions that he was posing. Yeah, to him, right? yeah, he did. He, so he said Matt Collins has kind of joined their group, you know, their their table for lunch from time to time, and you know, a lot of guys on football teams, you know, they'll come to the table with some really interesting questions of this or that, or sure. would you rather this or that one that he said was that the the debate that they were all having was would you rather fight a lion on land or an alligator in the water my gut tells me a lion because in the spirit of full transparency i'm not a great swimmer i can yeah. swim I, I need to make that abundantly clear as i look into whatever <laughs> camera Peyton has on for me i can swim 
I just wouldn't classify myself as a strong swimmer. Yeah, yeah. What about you? For me, I'm taking the lion yeah. all day because like alligators are savages. Yeah. One, and again, it's in the water. Like that's not our natural habitat. No, certainly know, again, not. Again, certainly not. I, I'm I'm a swimmer, not like ridiculously good. I grew up surfing and stuff, so I'm comfortable in the oh, water. What a flex, Jesse. Oh, yeah. What a flag. <laughs> you know, no. It must yeah, be nice. The, yeah. the short hair doesn't show. I used to have some great locks back in the day that would get Carlson them a run for their. Oh, plane. okay. Yeah, but uh, uh, no, yeah. So. I would rather take the lion on land. I like my chances, my maneuver, my maneuverability. Having said that, like that's the king of the jungle right there. <laughs> I, hope it, I hope it's like an old lion though. Yeah, like a lion a little past his prime. Oh perhaps, yeah, perhaps someone who retired from you know being the. It's a pride for lions, right? I believe so. Yeah, perhaps the uh, he's retired. He's taking a more secondary role in the pride. He's, <laughs> he's more focused on the five year plan. Yeah, yeah. I could take that lion, but I mean, king of the jungle, top of the uh, top of the food chain. I don't know. Yeah. But I did think this was funny, and we were talking about. Uh, just kind of what a great rapport our special teams crew has together. Uh, and at Raiders tweeted out, uh, is the special teams unit slowly morphing into the same person yeah. with the video of AJ? Daniel Carlson responds, not 20 minutes ago, and he goes, yes. <laughs> yes they, they slowly are. are, yeah. So so AJ Cole essentially said, you know, he feels like it was, more, it was a question about the long hair for Carlson. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. he was saying he, Carlson, and Sieg are slowly kind of morphing into the same person, starting to look alike because they spend so much time together. Yeah. And so that's where that one came from, which I thought was great. He said that they're going to be symbiotic twins or something like that. I don't know what the exact word is either. Uh, and he even noted, he's like, I probably butchered that. But he's like, we're all going to eventually just be one person. We're yeah. going to be, you know, we're not going to be able to distinguish the, the three of us. Well, if they all turn into one person, I hope they're all, all pros and pro bowlers. Yes. And, and knocking in 95% of their field goals. But Jesse, before we get out of here, so we are back on the field tomorrow. Yeah. Off day Friday. And then we're here through the weekend. Uh, this next little stretch. Uh, for the Raiders before they get ready, and I can't believe I'm saying this, before they get ready to fly to Canton to play their first preseason game. This next, call it four or five days, what are the big things hurled on your calendar, on your to-do list that you want to see? Yeah, well, so one, the physicality ramped up a little bit. It was very clear that they were kind of easing into things today, which is normal. You put the pads on. And I was upset about it. We were talking about this on the side. I was like, let's go, man. We've been here for a weekend. You're like, no, you got to be patient. You (laughs) can't go crazy. Coaches kind of hit that reset button when you do it. And and Josh even noted the fact that there's multiple first, quote-unquote, days of camp. And one of them we noted was the first time you put pads on. It's kind of like restarting camp again. So I think as the days go on, we're going to see the speed, the physicality, the way that they do a lot of these drills ramped up. And I'm looking forward to that. Also, I tried to. It was kind of tough with where they were. I want to watch more of the offensive and defensive lines because when you put the pads on, that's where the game really gets going. Yeah, and I agree with you 100%, which is not great for the sake of discourse. But yeah. one thing that I really am going to be looking on or looking for over this next, so today's Thursday, Thursday the next four practices, yeah. I'm going to have a really keen eye uh, on Max Crosby, Chandler mm-hmm. Jones, but maybe a little more specifically the interior of that line. Yeah, we look at the we've talked about the interior of this line a bunch throughout the offseason. Now with some of the injury situations that you have with that group, uh, and I know it's early in camp, so I'm not here to sound the alarm of oh boy, what are we gonna do? Yeah. but all the same. There are opportunities for guys to win jobs. Uh, now that the pads are on, now that the uh, intensity has been ratcheted up a notch, I'm kind of excited to see that group really, you know, end to end, but the interior of the defensive line. Let's see who's standing out. Let's see who's, ne- you know, we talk about the time. Whose number am I writing down in my notebook? That is the group I'm going to be keeping an eye on before this team goes to Canton. No, definitely. And, you know, that's massive as well because, again, we noted the questions of all along this offensive line. The better work they can get on those guys from opposite of them, Boom, it's more going to help that group as well. So those are going to be things that are interesting to watch. And again, there's nobody on this team 
more excited for pads than the guys in the trenches. Yeah, and we talk about some of the uh, the changing faces on and some of the injury stuff there. Uh, Vernon Butler uh, came off the NFI list yesterday, so that would be excuse me uh, earlier today. Mm. So he came off the NFI list earlier today, back to practice. So another guy to keep in mind, uh, keep our eyes on as we progress through this next uh, portion of camp. Spe- specifically, yeah, specifically Ray, <laughs> specifically, specifically uh, on the interior of that defensive line. Yeah, and that's the thing too is as guys get healthy, you know, it's great to have them back in there, but great opportunities for these guys that are playing in place of them because that's the reps that are taken away by those guys being injured gets thrown and spread out to the rest of the group. So that helps with your depth, especially moving forward. And as you get ready, like you noted, for a preseason game in like a couple of days, it's wild. Unbelievable. And so next time we talk, which will be early next week, I believe, I think Monday is the next time yeah. we're hopping in the studio. As crazy as it is, we are going to look ahead to a preseason game. What a world, Jesse Merrick. It's going to be crazy. What a world. But we have a lot to see in between now and then. As I said, a very busy, exciting weekend here in this building. You and I will be here for the duration. I cannot wait. Hopefully we get a little cooler temps. Maybe not cooler, but a little less humidity. How yes. about that? I'll take the dry heat back yes. any day. Dry Bring heat it home. manageable. You throw in a little bit of humidity out here in Vegas, and it's brutal. Put it this way. This is shirt three of the day, yeah. and we are recording at 1220 p.m. So oh, yeah. we will see you guys next week. Enjoy the weekend. Make sure you lock in, like, subscribe, all that good stuff. Uh, we appreciate everyone who's been watching on YouTube. We appreciate everyone that has downloaded the podcast and it, we are in your ears using the audio. Uh, but it's been a lot of fun. We have a lot more to get to. So a big shout out to Jesse Merrick. Uh, a big thank you to Peyton and everyone in the control. And my, my man Ray on the ones and twos, making sure everything sounds good. And we will see you guys uh, on Monday, right, Jesse? Yes, sir. On Monday for the next episode of the Raiders Training Camp Podcast presented by SiriusXM. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Raiders Training Camp Podcast presented by SiriusXM. To stay up to date on all the latest with the silver and black, download our mobile app and subscribe to the Raiders Podcast Network.